I suddenly just couldn't think of anything to say. A problem I have never encountered before once in my life. I could literally hear the bumper music after I said that. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that helps you sneak pig back home in your pockets. I am your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, what do you have in your pockets? Uh, a diabetic pump and a cell phone and a little bit of pig. Oh. You always got to keep your pocket pig. <laughs> the pocket pig is there to keep us, uh, give us good luck. So... This is before our time. Okay. Like, the pocket protector. Yeah. Like, I don't even really understand what that is, but I know it was something that nerds had. Oh, no, you, you, you put the pocket protector in your, like, chest pocket, so that when you put your pens in the pocket, the pens don't bleed onto your shirt. Oh, and this is before caps were invented. <laughs> that makes sense. No... I don't know. It's it's there. For someone who is always forgetting things in my pockets and washing them, mm. I get it. It's not a good look, but I get it. How many DSs did you go through through the washing machine? No, it's. I wouldn't forget something important in my pocket. It's usually just like pens, mm. pencils, wallet. Quarters. Okay, wallet's important. Yeah, but if it goes through the wash, it's not going to explode. It's true. It's just going to come out a little less oily and a little more clean. My cash, though, not as great. Not how you're supposed to launder that. Now I don't have any cash anymore. I I mean, I do. I need need to take it to the bank. Isn't that a thing, though? You put your cash in the dryer. Isn't that how people launder money? Or is how they make fake money? I don't know. I don't know about that, but you do know where the term money laundering comes from, right? No. Enlighten me. Welcome to Jared's Useless Fun Fact Corner. <laughs> it's because laundromats were a cash-only business that was really easy to basically make fraudulent transactions at. The first, or one of the first ways that the mob or other uh, crime syndicates would make their money clean is by buying a laundromat. And then you could just be like, yeah, we do this much in revenue every day, yeah. and it's all fake revenue. And nobody, I mean, how is anyone going to, like, audit that? You don't have a receipt for every single transaction. You're just putting coins into a laundry. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think the government really gives a shit if you launder money. It's like, well, if, you, if, you, if you're making it clean, you pay taxes on it. So, well, a good point. There is actually, the IRS put something out a couple years ago that, like, you could basically declare your illegal income and pay tax on it. I remember that. I mean, you can still do it, I yeah. think. It's just a way so that, like, if you... I I was once given good advice, which is don't commit crimes while you're committing a crime. Like, one crime at a time. So, okay. like, if you are... The Survivor's Turning Back Time podcast does not advocate driving drunk. <laughs> but if you're driving drunk, don't also speed. Or if your brake light is out, don't... Don't also drive drunk. Don't also drive drunk. I never drive drunk. But yes, I couldn't think of a third. There's only three things you can do wrong while driving, Stephen. Speed, have a brake light out, or drink. I think there are many more things that you can do. Speaking of many more things you can do, emails. You can email us at SurvivorTVT at gmail.com, or you can send us information in other ways, like on Twitter, 
at SurvivorTBT or on Reddit, you slash SurvivorTBT, which some of you have chosen to do. Every once in a while, I get a notification saying, this person has followed you. We post information on Reddit, like when we're skipping an episode because Jared has a, a life crisis. Oh, just kidding. Feels so much not better. A, not a life crisis. You were just a little busy. No, yeah, tech weeks for shows. Uh, they kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> so going through our emails, we have emails from a lot of people. Josh sent us three emails, so I want wow. to get to all of them. First one, Robert is called the general because he has the words the general tattooed on one of his arms. He's not in the army. Oh. I thought maybe he worked for, like, the general auto insurance. <laughs> I don't know if that existed at that time. I don't believe it did. That's. I feel like that's a newer insurance. Or if... That's definitely at least mid-2000s. I remember the commercials. Ooh. Mid to late 2000s at the minimum. I don't know about that. Will it, do You look that up while I continue reading these emails. Also said, Boston Rob said he splashed the water in his 2002 interview with EW. Yeah, I knew that night after I blew the immunity. I shouldn't have blown it. <laughs> Probes definitely provoked me to splash the water, but I did it. It was my choice to do it, so I fell. Steven was right. I was wrong. Steven was right. <laughs> Steven gets on his high horse. Survivor has gone to three-person tribals a couple of times. Yes, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read that. Okay, Stephen, I'm gonna say right now. I just looked it up. I I was right. Okay. The general auto insurance did exist by this point, but I want you to guess when it was founded. Oh dear lord. Okay, so founded. I want to say like 1975. Earlier. Uh, the 50s. 63. Dang. Which is looking at these other ones, relatively new. Like. State Farm is 22, 1922. <laughs> State Farm was last year. Progressive's 1937. Anyway, just think that's interesting. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is so many of these businesses are small businesses until suddenly they're not. Yeah. And they blow up and they have commercials with Shaquille O'Neal. It's <laughs> <laughs> very specific. Also, one other thing from Josh. Boston Rob wasn't supposed to be on All Stars. It was supposed to be scooping. But he kept <gasps> leaking info to the press and was taken off as punishment. Wow. <laughs> the number of things that would have changed. I mean, I don't know how Boston Rob does in All-Stars, but like, gee, like, wow. Yeah. Because Scoopin's much more regular, like, relegated, it seems like, in Survivor history. But like, All-Stars is a big season. Yeah. That would have been harder. Also from Josh from the other episode... You probably already know this, but the John vote was 6-3. to three. We didn't see the last vote, so that's why we're, yeah. we're clarifying this. Pascal and Nalia told John that they were flipping and apparently got into a big fight about it. Knowing that John was leaving, Zoe flipped her vote to John to pretend that she was always in on the plan. Classic Zoe. Classic Zoe. And then a couple emails from Tyler. Correction, even if Kathy and Vesepia voted with Rob and Sean, it still would have been 6-4. to four. So they still oh. would need Pascal and Nalia for the majority. So basically, your counting skills are on the same level as Jeff's, who read one more vote after the majority had already been reached in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably what screwed me up, honestly. Yeah. Speaking of Jeff, it, it'll be interesting to track your opinion of him as we go on, because in season one, he was generally seen by the audience as a doofus. Yeah. And then after a few seasons, he was strongly appreciated. But then at a certain point, he became very divisive where people love him and some people hate him. Which is where we stand today. Mm. I have thoughts on Jeff on this episode. <laughs> I had written down independently of that email. Okay, that's great. 
and then have mixed feelings about Boss and Rob, but we won't get into as to why. Talks about how people generally see him as a dumb frat boy. Mm. A lot of people felt he didn't deserve a spot on All-Stars. So we'll get to that when we get to that. And other email from Tyler. John is currently a lawyer with his own law office and oh. is also part of a foundation that helps preserve the San Clemente goats. Hmm. Okay. Good for him. It sounds like a sports team, but I know it's not a sports team. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the like minor, 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 minor league lacrosse Batting team. Number three for the San Clemente goats. <laughs> He was affected by flooding in Nebraska in March of 2019, where his farm suffered major damage and endangered the goats that he was housing there. However, a fundraiser was set up on his behalf, which raised $21,000, saving the goats and assisting in the cleanup efforts. Hmm. Yeah. Seems like a lawyer that owns their own law practice wouldn't need $21,000 in strangers' money, but who's to say? Yeah, and he was on the survivor sequester mini in 2020 hmm. i still have to look up sequester that's on me people keep saying it and i'm like ah, oh, i gotta do it also zoe voted for john so there were only three sean votes jeff yeah. did not show one okay. so there you go and that's all the emails thank you for that there's a lot to talk about in this episode i have so many notes so shall we would you like to steal this one from me as well uh no i have plenty more to steal from you over the course of your life oh okay where's my wallet in the wash. Where's my bumper? <laughs> Dude, where's my bumper? <laughs> Dude, where's my bumper? All right, so this episode came out on April 25th of 2002. There was a recap episode between last episode and this episode. However, it aired on a Wednesday. It aired the day before this episode came out. There was not another, an extra week between episodes for whatever reason. Probably something to do with network schedules. Really only two things of note happened in this week between episodes. Number one was the NFL draft hmm. in which David Carr was picked number one. The permanent cautionary tale in, hey, maybe draft offensive linemen before you draft your quarterback. Yeah, that's the wrong car. What's crazy is that... Dude, where's my car? <laughs> neither car has been the right car, but uh. David Carr was drafted two years after Tom Brady. Insane. I felt like David Carr was drafted a million years ago. Oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But you say that both cars are the wrong cars. That car won me a championship, baby. Josh Jacobs won you a championship, but yeah. yeah it's fair. <laughs> he did enough, I guess. Yeah. And then a meeting of interest. Pope John Paul II meets with the U.S. Catholic Church leaders at Vatican regarding sexual abuse of minors. <laughs> And luckily, that issue was solved right then and never brought up again. No, don't look too much into that. Yeah, they fixed it, right? Yep. It's all good. The number one song of the week was the same uh, song as last time by Ashanti. And a new challenger approaches for our number one spot. So to go through from five up, we have The Rookie, Panic Room, Murder by Numbers, which I'm not familiar with. Changing Lanes, and then at number one, The Scorpion King. Ooh. Wait. Okay. So I haven't seen The Scorpion King. All I know is it's the story of the bad CGI character from The Mummy. Yes. Played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Correct. And I don't believe The Scorpion King is a good movie. 
I think it's campy. I'm going to look up reviews right now. Okay. From what I remember, it's not good. I don't believe that I saw it. Oh, yeah. No, it's really bad. 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. Five and a half out of ten on IMDb. Yeah, it's bad, bad. <laughs> and I don't know that they have the big, ugly scorpion body on the Scorpion King. Maybe the real ugly scorpion body was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep going. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Then why don't we talk about the episode, episode 10, because we skipped the review episode. Yes, which we will not be watching. I might, no. If I get a couple minutes, I might, like, I don't know, watch it one and a half feet or something, but they don't ever really add anything. No. It's, it's fun bonus footage. But episode 10, two peas in a pod. Two, two pod and a peas. <laughs> Again, bad episode title. Doesn't even deal with the drama of the episode, which, I mean, I guess... Who's Going Home isn't super important for this vote, or probably the next two. Hey, the most tears shed are the thing that's connected to the episode title. That, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Sean shed a lot of tears, both at Tribal Council and the reward over it. <laughs> okay, we're starting the episode. It's a new day. It's a new day starting here, Sean says. We're having a waterfall party. Which is just the reason to celebrate, or the thing that you do when you are victorious here. You have a waterfall party. It's the survivor version of going to the bar. <laughs> going out for a drink. Hey. So, they say something here that's a little silly. Okay. I'm just going to jump right into it. Why not? <laughs> I don't remember if it was Sean or Pascal. It might have been Pascal. It's like, you know, we're gonna, from here on out, no alliances. But, and that's what I had said at the end of last episode. I was like, oh yeah, this alliance probably won't stay together. And then they just proceed to be an alliance? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you can't call it not an alliance if the five of you are voting together. No alliance. We're all individuals. Don't look into that. The only thing, unless he meant like once there's only five of them left. But very silly. <laughs> just call it an alliance. It's not season one. You can just call it an alliance. Yeah. So, I mean, the line is about as clearly drawn as possible here. Yeah. And coming into this, you wouldn't think that that was the case. You look at this group of five and you're like, what a weird group of five. First of all, I love that this is a weird group of five. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Stephen, I think this podcast is just an elaborate prank by you. Yeah. To make me look fucking stupid. Yeah. On the mic, constantly. 100%. I literally, last episode, was like... There's no way Pascal and Sean, like, keep it together and, like, that it's going to fall apart. Nope, maybe the strongest alliance we've seen past season one and bond so hard that they cry about it. There cool. Are, there are times where I have to, like, force you into a corner or push you along to get you to incriminate yourself on this podcast. You're a dick. There are times where you just do it gladly on your own and I sit back and watch as the train crashes Maybe was, that's too relevant of a, of a metaphor here. Rest in peace, Ohio. Uh, I was so right through like 99% of Australia and like 80% of Africa. Mm -hmm. And this season has made me the most wrong. <laughs> constantly. Always wrong. Just keep keep on shelling Kathy's out. Kathy's going to win this fucking season, isn't keep she? Keep on shelling out the bad takes, Jerry. Kathy's just going to win this whole fucking season. Uh, She's in a great spot for it. God damn it. <laughs> so we talk about how that's happening, and Tammy's like, yeah, the mood's happy. They see us as traitors, and we're going to get screwed because John put us in a bad spot. 
you also put you in a bad spot. Yeah, that's the part that we, through this whole episode, we just refused to acknowledge that everything was hunky-dory and you were like, yeah, this is the best alliance ever when you were on top. Yep. And then suddenly when you're not on top, oh, no, 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 this was all John's plan. I had nothing to do with it. I wrote, I, it's, I wrote this down later, but it, it's, a, it's a theme through the whole episode. It's like, yeah, you all also cockily walked over and cut everyone's ropes one at a time. Like, you also set the packing order live in front of everyone. Yeah. Don't, you can't pretend, John did not move your hand with the machete in it. God, I would hope not. That sounds terrible. <laughs> so we transition from that into then what happens after this, which is the, the preview from last episode. <laughs> yeah. Tammy and Zoe have a nice little conversation. They, they go off and they're searching for shells or whatever they're doing. And this is a full-on breakdown of what this is. Yeah. Of Zoe going in on Tammy, saying, from the get-go, I didn't like you. I don't like your eyes. I don't trust you. What a weird thing to say. I don't like your eyes. Yeah. I just... All of the above was very strange. I don't like Zoe. <laughs> don't, don't I'm kind of glad she goes home this episode. <sighs> Pascal kind of kind of calls it out, and Tammy calls her out on it too. Like she's just not genuine, like at all, and she's not a very good actor about it either. Like she's so transparent, like switching her vote because Pascal and Nalia told John that they flipped, making these like friendship bracelets and all of that. Like the lady doth protest too much, and she doesn't really have a natural charisma about her. But Jared, she works hard, she plays Gosh. hard, she works hard. Yeah, uh, other way around. Plays hard, works hard, plays hard. It's like somebody gave her a script of things to say. Like she's technically saying and doing the things that you should be doing when you're in those positions, but doing it so poorly. Like somebody just gave her the lines and she's like, oh shit, I gotta memorize this real quick, okay. Uh, can I have it in my hand? Okay. Um, I'm gonna. So she's like looking down at the paper while she's talking to you, it's... It's horrible. This is an instance of someone without any charisma being put on a show where you need at least some charisma or negative charisma to make things work. Yeah. And having just a flat line of zero does nothing for the camera. Yep. Which, I mean, this is going to spoil a little bit of the, the where are they now, or like the my endgame speech about her, but she had the second least amount of confessionals of anyone in this season second only behind peter yeah i was gonna say either some the guy who got voted out first yeah yeah i mean that makes sense according to fan cited as the sixth most invisible contestant on survivor of all time yeah i mean is nick in the bottom five because he should be um but that's not his fault that's the editor's fault yeah amber in australia at least when we saw Amber, she was interesting. Zoe's just boring. Why are you here? I mean, to win a million dollars. But besides that, why are you here? I also understand people, going back to what you said earlier, I understand people at the time thinking that Boston Rob didn't deserve his all-star spot based on this season. And maybe if he gets voted out early in all-stars, maybe he didn't deserve a spot at all. <laughs> but, like, he deserves it more than Amber based on just the seasons that they were in. Mm. Like, come on. One of them did stuff. One of them was a tag-along. 
What an interesting take you got there. I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> I and sorry, just the tell me more. What what about Rob's edit that makes you think he deserves a spot more than Amber? He actually made things happen. And like he was messy as hell and he suffered for it, but like he was on the bottom and successfully and then unsuccessfully tried to claw his way up. Mm-hmm. Amber just existed. Yeah. And I, I know this is me forward thinking, and Survivor probably didn't know that this existed at some point. What makes him a better candidate for All-Stars than, say, a Heroes versus Villains? Oh. Which is not for a, a little while, but it is in the pipeline. Yeah. I, I actually think he probably would be better for a Heroes versus Villains. Mm. But, I don't know. You also have to have some villains in All-Stars, right? You can't just have... Oh. A hundred percent. You can't just have your All-Stars be a second Heroes season. Correct. So, I think it fits in either. It really depends on the balance of your All-Stars season. Sure, sure. Okay, sorry. Just wanted to, again, put you on record for this. Cool. Can't wait to be wrong. (laughs) Anyway, we get tree mail. Tree mail happens. It's it's a big-ass coconut. (laughs) Coconut. Have you heard of people, like, shipping coconuts and shipping watermelons in the mail just to say that they could... Like slapping postage on it and making some poor I, mailman. I have seen people do it with a watermelon, yes. Awful. Why, <laughs> why would you do that? I can't imagine it's good after being transported through the mail system. That's probably, I mean, coconut would probably be fine. Get coconut, yes. Watermelon. Watermelon probably not. mushy. Yeah. I don't know. Unless you're not shipping it very far. <laughs> anyway, they're playing a game. They get selected in random pairs to compete for a Malaysian feast. This is a weird challenge. (laughs) This is a weird challenge. What happens in this challenge is that there are coconuts all around a beach. Some individuals just kind of laid out on a beach, like in random spots. Some big clusters of coconuts out in the water for them to go grab and bring back as a unit. And what they have to do is take these coconuts and split them open with no tools... And fill a bamboo chute up to the top with water so that they can get a lime out. But that wasn't actually the end goal because when it happened, they don't show him pulling the lime out. No. It's weird. They just use the lime as a floater. Yeah. This this feels like they didn't get a different challenge constructed in time. (laughs) Or like they didn't... like. One of the challenges from the Jordanian desert didn't translate. Like, this and the kite challenge feel like they're like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. We gotta put something together, guys. I like the idea. Like, yeah. The idea just, is there. It's it's just not refined. It just feels like it's in beta. Yeah. Like, we're watching... It feels like we're watching interns test a challenge <laughs> rather than watching a challenge. And we we see a couple different strategies here. The stronger swimmers go out and they grab the big bunches. Nalia and Vesepia stay on the beach. They grab the individual coconuts. And for a while, you see a lot of struggling to just open up these coconuts. Yeah. And that's the big thing with this challenge is how who is the best at opening these coconuts? And opening them in such a way that you don't lose all the milk. Yeah. That's... Oh. So many people would just, like, throw a rock at it, and then it would explode, and you would get nothing. 
It also made me so worried for them. Yeah. Watching them, like, just hurl rocks at these coconuts and it bounce and, like, come back towards them. I was like, oh, oh no. It looks super dangerous. Not OSHA approved. Not OSHA approved. I mean, like, listen, people get nicks and scars and stuff like that. But, like, remember, you were in a game about surviving. Mm-hmm. And if you get hurt bad enough, you're just done. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that could happen. But, like... You're also putting yourself at a disadvantage of immunity challenges and all of that. Like, anytime they do these challenges that have a element of danger that seems random, mm-hmm. like the random bounce of a rock, yeah. I'm like, ooh, I don't... I would be very nervous to be doing this right now. Let me put it this way. There is no situation in Survivor where being injured is good for you. Yeah. If you are not able to compete in a challenge, you just can't compete in a challenge, especially in an individual section. Yeah. Like, you're just... That's it. You, you can't win immunity, you might be going home for nothing. Yeah, because you wanted to... I mean, it's a really good reward. Yeah. It is a really good reward. Yeah. So it goes on. It looks pretty close for a while. And then Sean figures out what nobody else seems to figure out in that if you have one person opening up the coconuts and one person collecting the coconuts, mm-hmm. you have a far better speed of filling up here. He also does something smart, and I don't know if anybody else was doing this, but I caught him doing it, breaking the tops of the coconuts rather than breaking them in the middle. Sure. To, like, just try to break off a chunk of it so he could pour the milk in. Yeah. Smart. It is very smart. And he recognizes on the fly, and I think that's why he sent Pascal to go get more, he recognized on the fly that, yes, I have, like, two more coconuts, but that might not be enough to fill that beaker with the little bit that I have left. So go get more. And he was waiting for a little bit at the end where he's like, Pappy, Pappy, I need you, Pappy. And he, Pascal's just like doing his best, trying to sludge through the water. I'm like, oh, come on, Pappy, we need you. Yeah, and it felt pretty obvious early on that Sean and Pascal were going to win this challenge. Like, they got all the focus from the camera. Yeah. Like, there's a point where I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, there are other teams competing. Yeah. Hmm. Who would have thought? Kathy. Oh, Kathy's here. Oh, Kathy. Good for you. Good for you. You're trying. Yeah. So Sean and Pascal win. They get to go out on a nice little adventure together. And as a quote from the episode, the old man and the brother. <laughs> yep. They they get to go out and Just, have a nice trip. Dude, this cast is so much better than last season's. <laughs> like, okay, is this the most odd couple you can get with the people that are left? No. Who would be a weirder pair? Not including the Tammy and Zoe blow-up that, like, just happened. I mean, you could throw a bunch of the characters in there. Like, you could throw What's-His-Face, the guy who got voted out first. Oh, no, I'm talking about the people that are still in the, like, of the eight remaining at this point. Oh, I see what you're saying. Is there any more of an odd couple combination than Sean and Pascal? That makes for good television? Just at all? No. I think... Sean and the general would be very weird. Like, I think that they'd have New York to bond over. They'd have all this other stuff. I'm getting to a point here. Okay. Which is, compare even Sean and, and Igor mm-hmm. with Brandon and Frank last season. Yeah. Yeah. This cast is just so... And I like that episode. I like that moment. Kind of. <laughs> but this cast is just so much more endearing and so much more fun to watch. It is much more fun to watch. And again, they're they're allowed to go do things. They're allowed to form these relationships outside of a circle. 
<laughs> it makes for much better television. Yes. Also, going back to the Jeff thing. Jeff felt like Jeff the most he has during this challenge. Ooh. Jeff was talking. Jeff was, you know, like, kind of like shooting this shit with people. Jeff was, like, encouraging people. He was, you know, telling people they got to pick up the pace. Like, he was on it. Jeff was Jeffing. Jeff was Jeffing all over the place. <laughs> oh, God, Jeff. Stop Jeffing. <laughs> anyway, they wait till the next day to start the reward where everyone's super happy. Like, Sean, everyone's super happy for Sean to yeah. go and enjoy this reward because he really hasn't had anything. He's been, I mean, kind of on the losing side of a lot of things. The only thing that he's won is the fact that he's still here. Yeah. He didn't win rewards, I yeah. should say. They won immunities when they did the tribe swap, but they did not really win rewards. Yeah. So, they take a helicopter up to either a different island or a different area of the island, and when they get there, native Marcasian men are waiting with horses. <laughs> and then we get a weird, just a whole bunch of scenes here with Sean trying to get on this horse and trying to function on a horse is, I guess, the best way to put this. Yeah, and some of the places these they were taking these horses were not... Like, I mean, Sean says, like, you fall off, you're just falling down a mountain. Yeah. Brave. Brave man. And I, I remember pontificating in season two of, like, when Colby got caught out in the thunderstorm when he was mm -hmm. riding the horse that were... I'm like, what would that look like if it wasn't somebody that was an expert horseman? <laughs> yeah. It looks like Sean trying not to fall off a mountain. It looked like Sean trying to get on the back of a horse with another gentleman because he's too afraid of being on a horse solo because the horses were, like, getting into it a little bit with each other. It was so funny. And then he complains about his balls being squished because he's on a section of the horse that doesn't have a, a seat. Well, he has no stirrups, so yeah. he has nowhere to put his feet to, like, keep him... Up a little bit. He so has no stirrups. He's also sitting behind where yeah. the, the saddle is mm -hmm. because the saddle isn't long enough for two people to fit. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, just wild. Hilarious. It's so much fun. And then... <laughs> this is what we get on episodes when it doesn't matter who's going home. Yeah. We get stuff like this. Yeah. So then they take these horses down to a beach area where they're having a, a full-on festival and they, they sit and they talk and... Who would have thought that a black boy from Harlem and a white southern judge would be here? Quoting from Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pascal still gives me the ick a little bit with stuff like that. Uh, but is this is a, it's a really cute bond that they've developed. But <laughs> it is a cute bond that they've developed. And, and Sean is really, like, embracing this mm -hmm. culture shock and, like, getting into it and shouting along with the things that these islanders are, are singing and chanting. And he's just, like, throwing in random mix. He was rapping on the horse yeah. after he got a little more comfortable. Like, it was so funny and, like, just really endearing of Sean. It was. And I think the thing that makes me like Sean is also a trait that Pascal has. They both seem to genuinely care about authenticity more than anything else. Uh -huh. We'll get that to that in a later conversation, but, like, I think Sean says, like, it was really authentic. Like, of course it was, Sean. These aren't actors. They're not people they flew in. These people live here. These people live here. They do this often. But I also understood what he meant with, like, it was an authentic experience. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 
touristified. Yeah. It probably was touristified. And like but... you, you said while we were watching it together that it would be so easy for Survivor to just hire actors or hire yeah. people who lived in the area that knew the ceremonies and just do it for them. But no, this was... This was these people living their life. Yeah, maybe hire actors like in a bar on a soundstage that you've made. Um, Survivor would never do that. No, never. <laughs> Pretend like it's a Malaysian bar. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 this is my favorite season so far, like, and it's not even close. I put Borneo in kind of this own weird tier because it's the grandfather season, but yeah. like, this is the most fun I've had watching Survivor of the four seasons so far. And I think part, partly because each character on the show has recognized their own agency to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And the people that are, that are like, authentic are going far. And the people that aren't, like Zoe, aren't getting a lot of screen time and then just disappear. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a lot of good stuff on here. It is. And it, it just, it does. It makes for a fun season. The, the blow-ups are there, but they're not the focus. The... The relationships are there. It, it's all so interesting, and it's well-framed. And even the final five that we... Or the, the alliance that I think could be the final five that we have. Pascal, Nalia, V, Sean, and Kathy. I don't know who wins that. Mm. Because you have... In, in previous, like, final fours, final fives, it's been kind of obvious, even going back to Africa. Like, yeah, there's a final four, but, like... It really feels like either Big Tom or Old Kim. Uh, yeah, it, feels, old Kim. it feels like either Big Tom or Old Kim are on the bottom of that. And they're going to be voted off depending on like which one wins immunity. And it feel, feels like Lex and Ethan are like locked in as a final two, depending, barring immunity and stuff like that. Speaking of Old Kim, I actually did see a, a Reddit post the other day of Kim Johnson like a couple days ago. Oh. And she, I mean, she's old but she's still kicking like she stayed out of the spotlight sure. but she's looks relatively the same hmm. yeah but if you told me right now like any single two of those five make it to the final two i could believe it hmm. because if v and sean stick together and nalia and pascal stick together kathy's the odd one out but kathy's not the odd one not the odd one out is like oh they don't like kathy and they're gonna get rid of her she's the odd one out as she's a swing vote so sure. she now becomes very useful Fascinating. So are you ruling out a resurgence of Tammy and Igor? No, I'm not necessarily. Anything can happen. And if I, side note, if I ever was on Survivor, which I never will be because of the lack of pancreas, <laughs> and I found myself on the bottom, but not like maybe on the like bottom bottom, like as long as I didn't, knew I, I didn't think I was, I was absolutely the one going home, yeah, play it, like... Play it cool for a couple days. Mm. Wait till someone else blows up their own game and then jump in on that. Rather than be like a Zoe and be like, I made everyone friendship bracelets! Hey! <laughs> I think I've said it before on the podcast, but you never let someone know that they're on the bottom bottom. Oh, that's true. Because that's where shit gets weird one way or another. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, we'll, we'll get to it later, but man, bad things happen when people know they're going home. Sure. Yeah, so that's just all of that to say, this season's awesome. Yeah, it's great. As we were sidetracked, they, they do an underground pig roast, which I think is just the coolest thing. I, I have so many questions. Mm. Like, how do you stop 
animals from getting it. I mean, I guess if they put enough dirt on top of it, but like, did it seem like they put dirt on top of it? Looked no, like it was mostly leaves? Leaf, leaf covered. So then what stops wild animals from just like moving the leaves and eating it? Like, I'm sure they can smell it. What stops like bugs from getting in it? Sure. I mean, I'm sure they, I guess the heat. Yeah. Maybe. That's my guess is the heat keeps out the bugs and probably someone has to keep watch over it. So it's so cool though. Like we'll just dig it a hole in the ground and let the earth cook our meat. Yeah. Okay. Just throw a pig in there and uh, later I get sandwiches. It's literally nature's crock pot. <laughs> Volcanic islands, baby. <laughs> and they co- they do a cool, I compared it to the Hakka, which is something mm-hmm. that I'm familiar with. A New Zealander, I guess the area around there, it's a, it's a war dance. Mm-hmm most popularized by the New Zealand sports teams, the New Zealand rugby team especially, mm-hmm. does the haka before every match. It looked very similar to that. Again, Polynesia, intermixing of cultures, For makes sure. sense. They cut from this to back to camp, where they're like, you know, it's much easier having one meal a day. <laughs> and that is it from that cutaway. Dude, those always get me. I, ugh. You know, it's a shame that I, like, they're eating so much food that they're going to feel so sick, but I'm just eating <laughs> this one slice of fruit. Mmm. <laughs> oh, side note, we see later that Pascal and Nalia are pulled aside by Igor and Tammy. Tammy. Yep. Why not do that? Oh, Pascal's on the reward. Yeah. Why not pull Nalia aside, yeah. at least? Or V. Wanted to get them both. Try to do something. Thought that they were, that was their best maybe. opportunity. And honestly, maybe they did try, and mm. we just it didn't go well, so we didn't see it. <laughs> we cut back to the reward, and this is something I want to talk about, and something we commented on a lot. Pascal and Sean are stealing food from the reward <laughs> to bring it back to camp. How does this work on Survivor? How do they let them do this? How I don't know how they let them do this. And Sean and Pascal are like, or Sean has a confessional talking about like how sneaky they're being. I think Pascal might too. Like, oh yeah, we cover for each other and put it in our pockets. But we see it. Yeah. Which means a camera person saw it. Definitely saw it. And then they and then they kind of get caught anyway because they have to go up and like dance. And it's literally bulging out <laughs> of their pockets. It's like, you all, first of all, you are what every D&D and uh, rogue in D&D ends up becoming. <laughs> Congratulations. Oops. I feel I feel a little called <laughs> out here, but yeah, oops. Uh, remember when your mom lost a finger? <laughs> <laughs> it just... How did the show just let them take back half the feast? I want to say that it's not explicitly stated in the rules that you can't take it with you or like you can't share the rewards so we run survivor with airbud rules (laughs) there's no rule that a dog can't play basketball there's no rule that pascal can't fit an entire pig in his shorts there's no rule about it uh it's yeah wild wild that we're having this conversation at all but we all rules have to come from somewhere yeah that's true I would not be surprised if this is the only time we see this happen. Like, if this if this is, like, an immediate, like, they put a nix on that next season. <laughs> Speaking of all rules have to come from somewhere, did I, have I ever told you that there is a rule, I think it's on both sides, that you cannot wear a duck on your head when traveling between the Minnesota-Wisconsin border? Because that's, like, some weird hunting rule. I don't... Maybe. Okay. There's a rule for something. Okay. Someone did it at one point, and now it's illegal. Enjoy okay. that. 
anyway, we we after we were dancing around with meat literally jumping in Pesco's pockets, we then have a nice cry session on the beach of how beautiful this all is and how honestly it's like a connection thing. Yeah. Like they just feel so good and it wasn't going to be the case as of three days ago. Just guys being dudes. Guys being dudes, dudes being bros. Emotional dudes. <laughs> Then they get back, they give everyone the smuggled food, and then we get to more important things. Tammy and Igor pull aside Nalia and Pascal, and they're so desperate. They're so desperate. They're trying everything here. They're trying to blame John. They're saying that, oh, no, 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 we, that was all John's idea, and like we just got like caught in it, and we couldn't do anything about it. And nobody believes them, not even themselves. No. And Nalia and Pascal, at least Pascal, being somebody that values authenticity, is like, you're lying to me right now. Yeah. Do you even know that you're lying to me? Yeah. Like, I, it might have actually done something. I don't think it would have worked, but m- maybe they would have come to him and like, we screwed up. Yeah. Like, we're so sorry. Like, rather than trying to make excuses and nope. After Nothing. the big talk of authenticity with Sean, yeah. where he's like, you know what? I may have not been a super fan of Sean, but Sean is straightforward. He's honest with me, and I know what he's thinking because like, he just he is vocal about these things. He says he may have some problems, in which I would like to follow up. Okay, white judge from rural Georgia, what kind of problems does Sean have? Yikes. But, uh, <laughs> and Sean identifies that too. He kind of laughs at me. He's like, uh, we talk about like a brother and a, ju- a rural yeah. <laughs> judge from Georgia. But yeah, but he, 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 he comes around on him. Yeah. Because he's authentic. And Rob is trying and no one's believing him. And Rob like kind of storms out and yeah. Spends the rest of the episode throwing a pity party. Yeah, he's being a baby. He's like, I'm going to burn this wood. All this wood over here that I got, it's going to be gone in the next three days. Like, fucking crybaby. Yeah. I I did want to point out one thing with that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I love pointing out implicit bias. I love it. Igor says, would you rather be sitting by the two of us or Sean and V? And I, I screamed at the TV out loud, what do Sean and V have in common yeah. that would make that a bad thing? Hmm. Because there's two options. <laughs> one is the one you're thinking of. The more generous one, I guess, is that they're both Mara Amu members, but that doesn't seem to really matter at this point in the show. And then you can say, well, you know, rather it just being like the people they're aligning with, which then I ask, what about Kathy? So either Igor's forgotten that Kathy is playing the game at all, or, I don't know, it's it's, it's just one of those times where you, it's, you just tell on yourself a little bit. Just, you really just did. a little bit. Yeah. Mm. The racism shines through. So we handle this in different ways. We have three different people who feel they're on the bottom. All yes. handle this in three different ways. Igor, as a pity party, goes and stomps off. Fuck off, Igor. And he's going to be a bitter jury member, too. I just know it. I mean, he kind of said it. Tammy's like, you know what? This sucks, but I'm, I can't do anything about it. So Tammy just kind of, like, takes the middle ground. And then we have Zoe. Zoe makes friendship bracelets for everyone. Yeah. And, again, everyone sees it for what it is. <laughs> Nalia, one of my favorite parts of this episode, Nalia's like, you are seriously the most tender-hearted person when Zoe gives the shell necklace to... Nalia. 
And we then cut over to Tammy, who is right behind her, gives the biggest eye roll in the history of eye rolls. Yep. It's so good. It's so good. And then we get to stilts. We give a challenge all about stilts. This is a cool challenge. I don't care. This is fun. <laughs> this is one where they're given time to practice. Yep. They're given stilts at camp. Everyone sucks at it. They don't practice for very long. And then Tammy takes it away and, like, does it for a long time and gets really good at it. Yeah. And Tammy's the only one who had good form of what I... I know very little about stilts. Mm-hmm. But a wide base, arms wrapped around so you can sort of, like, brace yourself and, like, arms in tight to your body. Seems like it'd be the best form. That's good stuff. Yeah, no, she she could have stayed up there forever in the final round. <laughs> yeah, so we we then go over, which I thought was weird. They go to the tribal council area. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, the, in the huh. background you see the tribal council area. We've had challenges there before, though. Yeah, but it's so jarring to me to be like, oh, hey, there's tribal council. <laughs> yeah. You could just stay there and wait till <laughs> till nightfall and then do it then. So we get a stilt fight. Still fight! <laughs> it's a good time. It's just a an eight-person bracket tournament. Which is cool. Of who stays on the stilts the longest. Yeah, I mean, after the first round, I was like, oh, cool, let's see in what order they get to lose to Tammy. Because <laughs> there's no one else that could even hardly compete at all. It's very clear and obvious that Tammy's going to win this. But man, I wanted people to be able to like get in toward each other. And fight. And actually push each other and throw them off balance. Yeah. They never made it that far. Not a once did they even get close. Nope. <sighs> Tammy could have. Tammy could have. Tammy could have fought anyone. Tammy could take you down. <laughs> Some legends say that Tammy's still out there haunting the Marquesas <laughs> Islands on her stilts. <laughs> so, I'm just going to break down this tournament real quick. V versus the general, V wins. Kathy versus Pascal, Pascal wins. Nalia versus Tammy, Tammy obviously wins. Sean versus Zoe. Zoe wins. Into the semis. V versus Pascal. V beats Pascal. That's where I out loud said, okay, cool. Who in this match gets to lose to Tammy in the next round? <laughs> Tammy and Zoe. Tammy wins. And the, the V versus Tammy one looks like it could maybe be an interesting match. And then it's not. No. V gets like five steps in and then falls forward. Disappointing. Still fun to watch. Still fun to watch. I, again, would have liked to see it with a better group. Or people who actually tried a little more than the 15 minutes they actually tried. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, then we have a little bit of post-immunity challenge talk where Jared and I are like, alright, who's going home? Is it Zoe or is it Igor? It's one or the other. And I was like, it's got to be Zoe, right? Like, Igor's kind of blown up his own game, except for just, like, camp life being miserable. There's really no reason to get rid of him at this point. He's not even a goat. He's just dead in the water. Watching, though, I'm like, I don't know, personal opinion, I feel like you could tolerate Zoe. Just get rid of Igor. I think, I mean, they kind of all say it, and Sean says this is purely strategic in his vote. I think they're just more about Zoe winning a challenge. Sure. Because... If you have Zoe and Tammy left, those are two people that are pretty good at challenges, whereas Igor's not shown himself to be. Yeah. And, you know, you can vote out the other one once one of them wins, but if the other one then, if that one wins again, then that just fucked everything up. Yeah, you just 
prolonging the the stay, but if you go on a run, all you got to do is win a certain amount of challenges. Well, and I think if you get to, if you're the person that's the number six outside of those five, mm-hmm. and you win immunity, mm-hmm. you have a really good chance at going farther in that game, because now they need you. They have to come to you. You, could, easy, you could easily pivot that into top three. Yeah. Like, you can select the people you want to go with, and as long as they aren't lying to you, and you pick the right people... Yeah, you could be set. Yeah. It's a nice pivot point, a nice power position. And Igor's not going to be able to do that. Zoe could maybe do that. Igor's <laughs> not going to be able to do that. <laughs> and then Tribal happens. Sean has a beautiful moment about missing his mom. Mm-hmm. It He talks about how he didn't really have a father in his life or a father figure. So his mom, he, he was so close with his mom. And so he, he cries at Tribal Council. A nice, beautiful moment. Igor whines some more. Yep. And then Zoe talks about how she plays hard, she works hard, she plays hard. Defining characteristic. So dumb. Just so dumb. Yeah, honestly, there's not a whole lot about Tribal that really catches my eye here. Nope, I just called Igor a whiny piss baby. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I wrote down for that Tribal. We make another point about saying that, hey, you can give up the immunity necklace if you want. Do you think anyone is ever going to do that? In the series, yes. Okay. In the season, no. I would say I would put it at five times or under over the course of the series anyone gives up immunity. Sure. And the only way I could see somebody doing that would be with a hidden immunity idol. Mm. If they're trying to, if they'd rather give, if they have a hidden immunity idol and it's like a tight number of people mm-hmm. and they want to put votes, they like I could see a ploy where it's like, okay, the person that's vulnerable. That is my ally. I'm going to give them immunity. So then people put votes on me. And we don't have the numbers, but I use my hidden immunity idol. So all those votes do nothing. And now our small numbers take one of them out. Sure. I guess the way I read that is that it it seems a little more obvious than if you were to just play the immunity idol for the other person. Yeah, it'd have to be early on when people don't like like a twist about idols. Or yeah. maybe like the first time we have idols. Sure. God. It, Introducing new twists is so clunky because you're like, that's not fair to the people who didn't know that existed. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, votes happen. <laughs> Tammy repeats back to Zoe what she said that I just don't like you. Yep, the thing that Zoe said to Tammy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hate ev- to see clones fight. <laughs> Everyone votes off Zoe. Bye. Bye. She gone. Mm-hmm. How do you think Zoe does in a future Survivor? Terrible. Awful. <laughs> she seems like a pretty a pretty strong competitor and good camp body. So I'm not going to say that she would always go home before the merge because mm-hmm. she's clearly useful to her tribe before the merge. But like even in some type of like hypothetical world where Zoe got the final two, like she's a goat. Like I can't imagine her. She's just not the right person for this game. She's not charismatic. She reminds me a little bit of a less uh, or a more socially aware Deb. From season two. Mm. Like a lot of that like came here to be on a survival show almost. And at least Zoe tries to do the social game. But sure. It's just not her. Yeah. <laughs> and Zoe does not come back. This is the Shocking. last we see of Zoe. But like we said before, she was one of the least confessionalized person. In this season. In the season. And ever for someone who makes it as far as she does so 
big point of emphasis there. I found an, just an interesting thread on Reddit of what's the deal with Zoe from Marquesas? <laughs> and people just kind of like make a list of awkward things that Zoe did during the season. And I just want to read some of these because they're kind of funny. Sure. Eating a sticker bar out of Jeff's hand. <laughs> Dancing during the balance challenge on the water. Telling Tammy she doesn't dig her eyes nor her presentation. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, yeah. we talked about that. Her see-through effort to get in with the majority by making them friendship bracelets. Yep. Flirting with the audience during her final words. I don't oh. know that I agree with that one because I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I must not be paying very close attention. And of course, this whole exchange. Rob, Zoe, I di- didn't you want to vote out Kathy? After a five-minute pause, no. <laughs> Rob, sarcastically, you're amazing, Zoe. Zoe, sincerely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was the Bo- Boston Rob's gambit. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. But the piece de resistance of Zoe's internet presence here. Oh, no. Zoe has a website. Okay. Zoe's home port, Mohegan Island, Maine, USA. It's essentially get to know me and like, hey, if you want to know about Zoe who was on Survivor... And this business that I do, I'm a lobster fisherman. <laughs> what? So, I just want oh, you to... Oh, this, this looks like it was made in 2002. Doesn't it, though? It's all about Zoe. <laughs> okay, we need to put this in the episode description. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add a link to it. But it's, it's mohegandzoe.com is where it is. Oh my god. It's very 2002. Oh, copyright 2002. So yes, it has not been touched since then. It talks about who she is, her island heritage, which by island heritage, Mohegan Island, not indigenous island heritage. Interesting tab that I really sticks out to you on all of it. Zoe's radical truths. Oh no. It's, there's nothing bad. It's just like her talking about going out and being a fisherman. Like... <laughs> A, a lobsterman. What a weirdo. Okay, maybe maybe Zoe's actually kind of endearing. This website <laughs> has won me back over. Getting the 40-foot lobster boat ready to haul traps is like opening up shop for the day. The wheelhouse doors are latched open, and the David swung into position. While I check the oil and get the electronics going, the crew preps the bait. Once all the systems are go, I rev up the boat's rumbling 660-horsepower diesel engine and head for our first string of traps. Before long, we're rocking and a-rolling with the C and the music blasting from the CD player. Very 2002. The rougher the weather, the louder the music. It helps to ward off winter's frosty chill and keeps the crew in sync while culling through lobsters and baiting up traps. This is amazing. It's just, it's like a diary. This is amazing. This is the kind of thing that, like, can only come from somebody this fucking weird. Where, like... She made this and must have thought this was the coolest thing in the world. And you just need to lack a a, a certain level of self-awareness. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Oh, maybe the truths are this section over on the right side, where it's the high seas heaven and hell. Be the high seas captain of your life. Use your intuition to navigate life's storms and make good choices. And more of the type. Patience, perseverance, party time. Find a strategy to achieve and be flexible to change. And of course, eat ice cream. Relax and be happy. 
don't know. There's a lot of these. I just picked the ones that I thought were fun. So yeah, lots of lots of fun. I don't know if she's still doing that. Wow, that's that's a treat. That's a gem. I'm so glad you found that. Yeah. <laughs> Taking us for a nice spin back to Flash websites <sighs> in 2002. Wow. Uh, Same that she didn't have the charisma to make that kind of weird energy work. Because, like, eating a Snickers out of Jeff's hands could have been a great moment if she was just more... Weirdly enough, more awkward? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, like, going to... This has sprung a leak in my brain of thinking about websites from that era of life and the internet and being like, oh, God. Like... Nickelodeon video games on on internet websites that took forever to load. Oh my god. Oh. We can't do this. The Teen Titans fighting game on CartoonNetwork.com. I didn't have Cartoon Network growing up. I don't don't think you needed it. But... Well, no, you didn't need it, but I wasn't aware oh, of... Oh, that's fair. I wouldn't go and spend my time on a website of a TV channel that I don't have access to. That's fair. One more thought on Zoe. Sure. Zoe is the type of person that socially anxious people are afraid that they are. Zoe is me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I will not explain. No, no, nobody with social anxiety ends up like Zoe. <laughs> Zoe does not have social anxiety, sure. but everyone with social anxiety is afraid that they are Zoe. <laughs> All right, I have nothing to say. Bumper. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for going on that wild trip around the world here. We had some beautiful moments. Went to Maine. We went to Maine. We went to a nice pig bake. We went on stilts, because why not? Because why not? Jared, do you have anything you want to promote? I would like to promote the idea of nihilism, but like optimistic nihilism. Okay. Like nothing matters, and that's awesome. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why I find that so funny. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I would like to promote the city of Chicago getting their train system mm. together. Mm-hmm. And again, Jared and I talked about it. We were. I was late getting home because the trains were so awful today. To the point where I walked from... I, I take two sets of trains to get home. One connects to the other. And I was just like... Ugh. These first two trains on this first line are absolutely packed. I'm going to walk to the second line and see if that's better. Because then I can just take one straight shot and not have to move. It was the same over there. So, Tuesdays through Thursdays, people are going to work. Mondays and Fridays, you cut that in half. Yeah. It doesn't take a genius to look at that and say, oh, we need more trains at this time. Do they have more trains? Yes, they have trains. Do they have people? I don't know. All I have to say, if you live in Chicago, the mayoral elections are upon us. Vote for Brandon Johnson. <laughs> I gotta do research on the mayoral elections. He's I know, the progressive candidate. Sure. I know my alderman like that I'm voting for. That's our current alderman. Yeah, she's really good. She's great. But yes, I gotta do some... It's, I'm not voting for the current one. I can tell that much. Yeah. And it'll be a runoff because nobody will get over 50 it's a runoff. Yeah. Don't vote Valis. If you vote for Valis, I don't want you to listen to our podcast. <laughs> for my co-host Jared, this is Steven. Hey Cap. This is Jared. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I wonder if people know where I stand politically on this mm, podcast. Nah. I think it's been a little unclear.